When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin today, joined by somebody I frankly have dropped the ball on. I'm not going to lie. I should have had you on the show forever ago, um, especially seeing as you're rocking Vikings gear. You and I, we when I would say, Mike, that you and I probably text a lot more about the Vikings than we do about the Lakers, like significantly more. You know, it's true, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be with you, first of all. The only caveat I would say is that you know, since the Vikings are, even when they're good, terrible, it's, <laughs> I'm not often seeking to have more conversations about them <laughs> than, the, than the several text threads I have with my Minnesota friends, uh, all my yeah. friends I grew up with, which are, which are just dark text chats at this point. Um, so, you know, if you can, sometimes you'll provide a little levity um, as to what's going on with my favorite NFL franchise, but you know, it's been a tough existence as a Vikings fan. Thankfully, since I've been employed by the Lakers, uh, things have, you know, I, it's it's brought out a whole new type of optimism as a sports person about yeah. and, and I'll throw the Dodgers in there as well. So shout out to the Lakers and the Dodgers. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, one of the compliments that I get um, that is really backhanded, but it's a compliment nonetheless, is like, you know, you're one of the few decent Lakers fans that I deal with. Right. And and it's always like, yeah, it's because I also exist as a Vikings fan. And I know that. There are a lot of fan bases out there who are not as blessed as Lakers fans. Um, and, and I have that direct kind of experience here with the Vikings that like, you know, before the first thing I said is, I don't know about wearing Vikings gear during a playoff run because it never ends well for the Vikings. Um, but but you know what? Here we are uh, talking about the Lakers. And and yeah, I, I would say it offsets the, the two the two experiences just direct offset directly offset each other. Yeah, the, the, it's an interesting perspective on. I, I want to focus on the Laker fan part of that because so somebody that, as somebody that's not from LA and my first exposure to the Lakers, like in a real way, other than just you know watching them on television mm-hmm. for many years, was I was a bit older, like I was twenty six when I first moved out, and I had already worked for about four or five sports organizations and a couple of different TV stations at that point, and I had so I had this idea of what a Laker fan was coming yeah. from where I came from and, and to put it at a base level like I think a lot of people where I grew up in Minnesota just think of Los Angeles only as Hollywood you know yeah. they don't realize that Hollywood is just a a very tiny part of a 17 million uh, person city that extends out into if you extend out into like Orange County and all these surrounding areas yeah. like Rodeo Drive doesn't extend for like 50 miles it's not yeah. 
it's just it's so it, that's that's I think how people think of that so much so that when I got there, I was working for the Timberwolves when I got the Lakers job, and one of my bosses there uh, started calling me Hollywood for the next two weeks, and I was just like, <laughs> okay, you know. So I so I get out there, and I I think I I like to think I was a little bit more cultured uh, and and had traveled to LA before than to think of a, a giant city in such of a context. Um, so that's that was not necessarily my impersonation, but. I have to say, and this this might sound self-serving in a way, but but it's not like I was impressed with Laker fans right from the start. And I didn't get the sort of national perception of Laker fans because there are a ton of good and smart Laker fans. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think there are just so many that, yes, you're going to get some fans in, in any type of sport or anything, like sports as a metaphor for life. Um, think about this in terms of like, political parties or you know at the at the worst end of the extreme but when you with people that really follow something passionately um i've actually always way over indexed on what laker fans are like i think relative to um to what the common perception out there might be yeah there's a bunch of you know super intelligent you know decent lakers fans out there and then there's also harrison you know so it works out it works out you know <laughs> i'm going to push back i'm going to push back here um if i had to rank you and Harrison, I would have oh, no, no. <laughs> you several rungs below. Um, not, at the, not at the extreme bottom, but well below Harrison. So that, I just want to state that for the record, um, in front of you and not behind your back. I would never say that behind your back, but now that I'm looking at you, yes. <laughs> it's a good thing this isn't uh, live because I can edit that out and because and, I'm about to talk to Harrison like right after this. So I, that, like, I cannot have that in the mind. I'm in the recording back of my on my phone just in case you try to edit me. <laughs> Because I've heard that you've done that before. Pete was complaining actually um, that you took some of what he said out of context, even though it was it was on the pod. Yeah, I would never do anything like that. I would never edit like that that episode of Succession where they where they uh, bastardized what Logan was saying. I would oh, never, yeah. ever, ever under any circumstances do anything like that. Would you um, be, would you be more or less comfortable than Greg was doing it? Far more. Yeah, because like, here's the thing. He's not uncomfortable at all doing it. He just wants to feign the yeah. comfort in doing so. And now we're, you know, I know we're losing whatever amount of your audience doesn't watch Succession. But hey, you and I can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg is funny. Like he, he wants everybody to know, I, I don't like the, I don't like doing this. I, yeah. I don't, I want everybody like this. This is not right. But hey, it was really well done. Like that line where he's just like, "Wow, it was really well edited." <laughs> like, it's just right. so perfect. I saw him. Um, he was. Oh yeah, out. he's like he's been to a few, right? Like I feel I, like I only remember seeing him at one. He was sitting courtside, and he, of course, is hard to miss. Uh, not just <laughs> yeah. if you're a fan of, of Succession, because he's he's super gangly. Um, and yeah, yeah uh, it was it was fun to see him. I resisted the urge to to you know to make some sort of a reference to the show, although he's still at the stage where he probably welcomes most of the attention mm -hmm. about it. There's kind of the honeymoon stage. It's not like he's, oh, I don't know, Anthony, maybe at a certain point though, even that, like when the, when the 15th bro of the week comes up to him and, and says that he's a, um, disgust, what is it? Disgusting brother. Yeah. Disgusting yeah. brother. It's like <laughs> that, at a certain point, you don't want more bros coming up at you and, and say, Hey, let's be the disgusting brother. <laughs> Especially like, Somebody walking up to you, a, a an actual representative of the Lakers in a suit and all that, like disgusting, brother. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just, I just, I just moved on. All right. Um, speaking of moving on, I guess we should we should talk about last night's game. And um, you know, there's really two minds to have about it, right? 
Denver fans are going to say and are pre- pretty much correct in saying like, yeah, we, we got the one win. We have held serve to this point, And for the majority of that game looked like the significantly better team. Lakers fans are going to say, well, maybe we unlock something. Maybe Rui on Jokic or somebody else on Jokic. I don't think it would just be Rui over the course of the game with AD roaming really impacts what Denver wants to do defensively. And if the Lakers can slow Denver's offense, I don't think Denver's defense can slow the Lakers offense in the same way. Um, and and there, that's where the optimism is going to come from, from the Lakers side of things. As always, I think the, the reality is somewhere in the, in the middle there, but, but which way would you lean so far in those two takeaways? Yeah, so the way I would frame it, uh, and this might this will be a little bit different. I was talking about this with uh, the aforementioned Pete and Darius last night, and I'm sure you've already weighed in um, on your pod. It's like, I think that when NBA series starts, there's always a, there's always a certain level of energy that you can you can kind of bake in coming for one of the two teams. And like the Lakers were able to punch first against Memphis. Memphis just I don't know if they didn't know better. A lot of young guys. I think they felt like they were better. You know that that was going to start their run. And they I don't know that they had like a specific plan for how the Lakers were going to play um, once the team was different after the trade deadline. And, and the Lakers were able to jump on that. Golden State, they had just played game seven on Sunday against Sacramento. Series started on Tuesday. Uh, The Lakers, I think, had the physical advantage in that series in a different way, Uh, whereas even though Golden State hit all of the shots, they hit, what, 21 threes in game one, you know, the Lakers still sort of pounded them into submission. And Mm -hmm. that that was the – and then you got the bounce back. Then you got the big energy home team game in game two um, that the Lakers weren't going to be able to bring that requisite energy back to. So in this game, Denver – who has been off for a couple of days now, of course, uh, having beaten Phoenix, they are, they're sitting there watching the Lakers series and knowing they have full respect for LeBron and AD because LeBron and AD kicked Denver's ass a couple of years ago. And it was, it was Porter, it was Murray and it was Jokic and it was Michael Malone. So they're, they were acutely aware of, I think of what the danger that those two presented with regardless of what the teammates were. And of course it's a different team since then. And Jokic has been locked in to a degree that I, I don't think, Anthony, that he gets quite as much credit for uh, for the competitive level that he plays at, and for hard for how hard he plays. Mm-hmm. Like his limitations, rim protection, for example, it's not necessarily for lack of effort. It's like he, like KCP said last night, he just can't jump. You know, he, yeah. he's not. But he he is a grinder. You know, he does really want to be great. Uh, he does play at a certain level every night, and he played game one like it was game seven. I mean, he came yeah. out. I, I said this uh, on LFR. Like he, I have not. In my memory, seeing a better performance from a Lakers opponent, one one player in a playoff game um, than those first three quarters. But then what happened in the fourth quarter? That this is to me why, like, yes, that that's the reason why the Lakers lost the game. It's not the small lineup necessarily, although I think they're going to go away from that. Uh, a little add on to my own point on that. Like third quarter, they played the same small lineup and they were fine. They were plus one despite Murray hitting two threes, uh, KCP having a little flurry. But it's not just that. That group just wasn't quite ready um, to match what Denver was bringing. So um, mm-hmm. that's that to me is the biggest factor. Let alone exceed it. Because when you're that small, you have to exceed it. You have to you have to be like when you're playing that small, you have to play with more energy than the team that's bigger. You have to you have to be flying around out there. And that team wasn't. Yeah, that's so that, I think that's true. And it's also it's and it's not just about this, the size and the stature. It's like you can you can take advantage of of Denver in a way. And that's the whole reason they did it so that Jokic can't hide on somebody. But mm-hmm. 
it's not so and this is where we get into the adjustments which was really more directly what your question was i think that it sometimes can be overplayed or we can play the results so for example last series mm -hmm. right the lakers held on to a couple of things within games within game two against golden state within game five and then they sprung quote unquote the adjustments the next game you know mm -hmm. but it's not like those adjustments hadn't been discussed ad nauseum yeah. by both the lakers staff and the Warriors staff. It's not like Denver didn't think that the Lakers were potentially going to use the shooter lineup or versus the Vanderbilt lineup. And, you know, I'm sure you, as well as us and just people around the team, were discussing Rui because guess what? He's the he's the bridge between Schroeder and Vanderbilt and that he can shoot, but he gives you more size and more rebounding. So mm -hmm. it's, it's to me, it's not like, oh, the, if the Lakers just hadn't shown Denver that card, you know, they'd have this big advantage in game two. I, I thought it was more important that they punched back and let Denver know, and Jokic even specifically, no, 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 no. It's not going to just go like that it did in the first quarter. Like, this is going to be a series. We do have different lineups that can work against you. And I don't think that Denver has the adjustment in their bag, other than basically playing Bruce Brown for um, MPJ or for Aaron Gordon, which I don't think they want to or can do for, yeah. too, for, for too long. So that's all. Yeah, the <clears throat> I was I was more on the side of starting Rui, um, you know, and and again, like you said, some of this is playing the result. Obviously, it went. Not only did I think it was not like wasn't necessarily the right approach, but also um, it was really poorly executed. Like we, like the the Lakers, like you mentioned, and whether it's whether it's a matter of like not matching energy or whatever, um, we can frame it however we want. But the Lakers were like smaller and slower than Denver was in at the beginning of the game. And if they start Rui and the guys out there are all like, you know, are, are that kind of lackadaisical, it doesn't matter who you start. Like maybe they wouldn't be down 18 points. Maybe they get an extra rebound here or there. Um, but, but like at the end of the day, the guys who are out there also need to execute and they didn't. So like, it just kind of compounded on, on the issues there. Um, I do think though, like it's been something and I'm glad that you brought it up the notion of, well, should they have kept that in their back pocket? Do you, you cause you really want to, you really want to steal the game that you, you know, make that kind of adjustment and you do something um, like putting Rui on, on Jokic and letting uh, AD roam around. <clears throat> you really want to steal that game if you're going to do it. But, um, it's not like I'm sitting here saying like, well, I would have rather lost that game by 30. Well, like, I don't, <laughs> that doesn't that, make any sense. <laughs> not only that, Anthony, like the game plan was always that Rui was going to come in off the bench and have some minutes defending Jokic. But mm -hmm. so it's not, they did that anyway. They didn't adjust to that. He's, Jokic plays 42 minutes. You know, yeah. you're not like, and you, Darvin Ham said this explicitly when we asked a couple days ago. It's like, we're going to start with AD on Jokic and then kind of hinting, but, you know. Yeah. We we event we if we went back and look at like Jokic's numbers, this this just speaks to how great he is offensively. Like I think we can all agree, at least you and I. Hopefully, people can agree that Anthony Davis is the best defensive player on the planet. Um, mm -hmm. I I will accept a conversation about Draymond Green, who I still think is great, but I think AD um, is at this point is is past him, and I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of in that next. He's he's coming up next. Like he's awesome. Yeah. This is the reason why Anthony Davis was a little bit more limited in rounds one and two because they had those guys as either primary or secondary help defenders on AD. 
Yeah. And, and he just did everything else. And people were, well, what's going on with AD's offense? It's like, well, mm-hmm. so that's, that's one thing. But for this specific series, like the, the plan was always to get AD off of Jokic some. It's just the question of how much can you do it? I think that AD prefers to be off of Jokic because yeah. when he's on Jokic, he's still going to score. And then he's either backing you under the rim or he's bringing you out to the perimeter and then AD can't rebound. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's not as... It's not so much an adjustment. It's the inevitable, I think, as to what happened. And now, like, now how does the series play out? Well, Denver has the advantage of the home team having one game one. So the Lakers are going to have to win, you know, consecutive games now to try to get some of that back. But I do think that it was eventually going to get in that type of a space. And therefore, Rui was always going to play more. Yeah, it's just like the the, the question moving forward is whether it you know which approach is outweighed more by the other and i also think like you mentioned ad maybe preferring to not guard Jokic, um you know for a variety of reasons i just it's it looks like it sucks to yard to guard Jokic. like he's he, he he sweats more than the average nba player so you're just gonna feel that on you the whole game um and but like i also think and this was the case i thought in the warrior series where ad wants to be extra engaged on defense he wants to go up and help on the perimeter he wants to see if he can handle the challenge of guarding Steph in space or whomever in space and like he is this like super pterodactyl with an insane wingspan who can you know can show high and still get back to the rim in time to either contest on that shot back door or just grab a rebound and and I think like when you just stick AD on Jokic and he becomes more of a stationary defender. Um, malaise, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't go maybe that so far, so far as to call it like a malaise that sets in over AD, but I do think he just kind of gets kind of stuck in the mud and he's so much more impactful. And I think, you know, his engagement level goes way up when he's flying all over the court. So, like, not only do I think that, you know, the Lakers found something there. Um, with with Jokic as it pertains to like giving him a different look and, and seeing that as as impactful as it was was cool to see. But I also think that's how you keep AD the kind of special defensive player that he can be. And I think he's really, again, for lack of a better term, minimized if he if all he's doing is trying to stop Jokic from scoring because he's not gonna. <laughs> Jokic is, is is too good. 100%. Even if he does it half the time, which, you know, Jokic's numbers against AD are much better than half the time so far. Mm-hmm. But even if he does it half the time, you're wasting what AD is one of maybe he's the best of, I'd say, about four or five players in the NBA that can do somewhat what he does. I already mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Giannis, I think, can yeah. do that in most contexts. Evan Mobley um, can do some of that. And that's about it. You know, there are a couple of other guys, you know, Draymond in a different way, you know, I would, I would throw in that mix, but like a guy that can, that can protect the paint, that can get out to go to defend guards, that can move their feet, um, that can come over on the strong side, that can clear the big defensive rebound in traffic. Um, that is what makes, that is why the Lakers defense is special. It's because yeah. that's it. That's, that's yeah. the whole reason. And, and all of those other guys that I mentioned, look at where Cleveland and look at where Memphis were and look at Milwaukee. Now, Brooke Lopez obviously helps and so does Drew Holiday in Milwaukee but those are basically the four best defenses in the NBA and then throw Golden State in there that's why right it's because you having that one player and whereas there are I don't know 
50 players in the NBA that can at least sort of stay solid while Jokic bullies them down yeah. into the paint and then he turns and makes shots anyway. Now he's going to make fewer in theory against Anthony Davis because he'll he can actually go over the top and block a couple of them. Um, yep, as but, we saw, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, but like that's not it's, it's just not the best use of him. You're going to need it some possessions, no doubt. But I, I think that that much is pretty clear um, after game one. What do you think can be done to get D'Angelo Russell going? Um, he, you know, he didn't play in the fourth quarter last night. And, uh, I think Darwin is really going to kind of prefer, uh, Schroeder's ability to stay attached on screens and and running through screens and stuff like that. But you do need D'Angelo Russell to, to make an impact on this series. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, just hope he's making shots that night or whatever. But like one unfortunate aspect I thought of, of going as small as the Lakers did was that like all of those guys were either either didn't have the size advantage that they normally have personally. Like Russell is a bigger point guard, even though he doesn't like being called a point guard. Um, he's a bigger point guard, but he was staring eye to eye with Contavious Caldwell Pope, right? Um, Jamal Murray is bigger than, than Dennis Schroeder. Poor Austin Reeves was like, <laughs> he looked so small compared to Michael Porter Jr., and, and I think, like, with the Lakers potentially going a little bit bigger with that starting group, now you're, you're looking at, like, maybe it's Murray guarding Russell and, and, and KCP guarding Reeves or vice versa, and maybe that makes the game a little easier on them. But is there anything that can be done to, to get the better version of, of Russell more consistently in the series? Yeah, he'll, he'll be better. He'll be better. That was the worst-case scenario. He'll be much worse. Yeah. That was the worst-case scenario for him in game one. Yeah. It was it was a mix of the of the in, so the two things. One is the initial energy burst that Denver had that game seven desperation. You know, D'Angelo didn't look great in game two against Memphis or against Golden State either. Mm-hmm. That like he's not going to be the one typically to start with that type of t- energy. Like he can mm-hmm. he can kind of he'll feel his way out to an extent. And if, okay, is this going to be a game where I'm going to get ISO opportunities or is it going to be trail threes or is it, am I going to need to be getting AD in, in the, in the pocket in screen roll? Like he'll kind of, especially with LeBron and AD clearly as that one, two, you know, D'Angelo is, is definitely not entering the game with that type of an alpha mentality. Uh, he will get it though in certain parts of the game where he feels that it's warranted, but that doesn't serve you well again in a playoff game where the other team is playing desperate. Um, so he's that that's sort of the the worst case uh, in some senses for him. And that won't be the same in game two. So I think he'll just for that reason, I think he'll start better Then the personnel situation where the Lakers were going small. The Lakers can benefit from that offensively. And they did in the third quarter. So he hit three or five shots in the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned the Lakers were plus one before he went out, despite some shot making. So like he and that's that's because of Murray. Like he can he can just go get some work in on Murray, just like Murray can on him. But mm-hmm. that small lineup isn't isn't intended just for that. It's intended so that Jokic has to play defense, and Anthony Davis murdered him on defense for the mm-hmm. entire game. So that's yeah. that's where that lies. And then we get right back to the compromise. If the Lakers do go bigger and say they start Hachimura for Schroeder, then you know all of that kind of cascades down for D'Lo and his responsibilities um, in in terms of like the athletic part of it and the running and. The, they just lessen a little bit and he can stick to some more of the skill stuff um, that he's yeah. done well for them. So I, I think that 
it will get better. And it's it's just way too too soon to start thinking like, oh, I don't know, maybe they should just bench him and play shooter those minutes. Like it's he you gotta yeah. you gotta give him a, a second shot here to to get rolling. And look, he has utilized those second shots over the course of the playoffs, right? He's, you know, people talk, people have, I think, spent too much time talking about every other game AD, but like really, really it's, it's, it, it, Russell is the one who either has it or doesn't. And then if he doesn't, it's a Schroeder game. And if he does, oh, cool. It's a, it's a Russell game and the Lakers tend to win those. So um, that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch uh, which version of Russell. And like, I, I also kind of like the point that you, I think kind of hinted at it was um, like Russell is really good at being, like the the knockout blow that that forces a timeout, right? The Lakers will have some momentum and then he'll he'll make the play that, you know, gets the crowd going or shuts the crowd up and it forces a timeout. But in last night's game, because everybody was playing again kind of lackadaisically to start, I think he also kind of sinks into that. He 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 very much goes as the team goes. And and uh, you know, part of if the Lakers start more effectively i think he'll he'll really be a part of that just because that's kind of how it's he's operated to this point um anthony what i have a question for you hmm? we formally bury the every other day nonsense ad take so if you yeah and this is not your take i know trust me no Um, the so anthony davis has now played 13 playoff games he has had three subpar offensive games Two of those three were because the opposing team devoted, you know, eighty percent of their initial attention on that end towards him, and were looking for the Lakers to try to beat them in other ways. The other game, he just didn't have great energy. And in twelve of those thirteen games, he was otherworldly defensively. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just wanted to see if I could get your permission to formally bury uh, that narrative. Yeah, I've been laughing at it basically all playoffs. It's like. The take the take that I haven't seen enough like smart national people give is like we always we almost excuse Steph for being mediocre or less than mediocre over the course of his career defensively, right? So long as he makes an incredible offensive impact that everybody can see because we see what he does to the gravity on that end of the court. But for some reason we don't allow that on the defensive side where AD is is like the math breaker that Steph is defensively. And, <clears throat> you know, some nights he's going to have it offensively. Like last night, he scored his 40 points and all of that stuff too. Um, but even on nights that he doesn't necessarily have it, he's still going to like have an, a crazy impact on the game on the defensive side of the ball. So like the every other, every other game thing just kind of ignores an entire half of the court. I just I, I've always thought it was it was uh, kind of a ridiculous take that that really ignores a whole bunch of of basketball. Um, last thing before we get you out of here, you are on your way like right after this to go uh, you know check out Lakers practice. You were um, in the locker room right after after the game last night, and and you've been around the team as as much as just about anybody on the face of the planet. Um, what was the guy like? What was the what was the sense you got in the locker room after that game? Like, where was where was their confidence level at? We can talk about like how fans feel about the, the you know the the two the, the the two ends of the spectrum you have coming off of that game. But where where would you say the team sat on on that spectrum after the game? Body language, Doctor Trudell. Um, that sounds good. I like it. Sounds I like good. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
your self compliment from earlier in the show. Um, I, I, body language doctor was feeling very positive. Um, I, okay. I I think that so the person that sets the tone for this, you won't be surprised to learn, is one LeBron James. Uh, Austin right. Reeves. No, no. <laughs> so, I'll make an argument for Austin in almost anything at any time. So, <laughs> if you want to go that direction, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, Austin was also good body language vibes. Um, although, you know, he was, I think he was tired. He played, did you see Austin played 42 minutes? 42 minutes. Um, I, I had yeah. to check after the game. I was like, wait a second. Cause I, you didn't come out much, but 42 minutes, that's a lot of minutes. Um, yeah. And anyway, so LeBron, I think that LeBron, quicker than any NBA player and probably than most athletes can size up and see what's coming in a series and yeah. his mood. Um, therefore, I think a lot of times dictates what is possible or what isn't possible um, for a team. And I think that you could feel that, for example, um, after, after the trade, like early that season, after the Westbrook trade, the start yeah. of the season, I think that, you know, you, know, you could kind of tell, like, man, I don't know. If Even this before the trade, to be honest, right? Like the other side of the coin was before the trade. He's like, yes. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> and, but especially to just focus on, like, I think that, and, and guess yeah. what? I felt that same way. Like it just, yeah, that we all did. It'd be a tough mix. Um, and, and now, like, I think that looking at how the game went and just looking with what the adjustments are and who's all of it, like all the supercomputer, all of the stuff. I think that he feels feels good that the Lakers have a chance to win the series. Um, not that they necessarily will, or that they're like not talking about favorites or percentages, but I think that that is a um, that's a good takeaway to have, as opposed to this team came out blitzkrieged um, in the first half, and you know we just didn't have the answers. I, that that was not the sentiment um, in the locker room, and you know LeBron leads that. And then now, of course, though the, the Lakers have to actually win games, uh, which. Yeah. Is, different from the previous series where they always at least held an advantage or were tied. Uh, and so they got to, they got to get out there and prove it. But I think that they, I think that they have a plan that they think they can execute with the bodies that they have. Yeah. I, that, that makes uh, total sense to me. Well, um, you are incredibly busy and uh, you are out there in Denver and you're on your way down there to practice right now. So I really appreciate you cutting out a little bit of time here. Don't appreciate as much the, the Harrison compliment, you know, I'm, I'm going to, it's going to take me some time to get over that, but Look, you know, uh, I'll, let I'll me try. offer one more part of that. Now, mm -hmm. I, first of all, it is genuine. Um, it is genuine, but secondly, I don't want to be on the other side of, of like, basically, I don't want to get the Dylan Brooks treatment that he gave <laughs> on Twitter. Um, not yeah. to say that you don't have some ruthless parts of, of yourself. I feel like you sort of say yeah. those more for audio form. Um, mm -hmm. you, you use Twitter more to just sort of like poke the bear a little bit, but you know, yeah. Harrison will just come straight up with some haymakers on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. guys, humor. He and, and Mia, like and they're I, just like this devastating combo. And I, yeah. you know, and I, and I like to think that this, I, I would like to think that this will solidify me permanently over you um, throughout <laughs> history for him. And, and I never have to worry. And that's, that's what I would like to have happen. That's, you know what, we all have our priorities. Um, but thank you very much, Mike, for hopping on again. Obviously, you know, him from Spectrum. And, and also the LFR pod, they do great work there. He does great work with, with everything that he does. Thank you very much, man, for hopping on. Thanks, Anthony. Good to see you. Uh, say hello to the fam. Yep. And go Vikings.